Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. This is episode 66 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm your host, as always. My name's Daryl. If this is your first time you're joining us, um, and if it's not, then welcome back. Um, straight off the bat, just want to say thanks to everybody that's been listening to the to the show uh, since coming into the new year. Numbers are up, uh, which is great, and uh, and we appreciate you. So thanks very much for that. Uh, we want to be doing a lot more shows this this year. As I said, I think on the sh- last show that we did, or the one before that, I, I've. I'm trying to commit myself to getting us to episode 100 by the end of March. So, you know, a lot, lot of work to do and not, uh, not a ton of time to do it. But I definitely want to get in and get a lot more frequent with these shows. It's just whether or not time permits. But, you know, so far I think we're doing okay. This is our third of the year, I believe. Uh, maybe second of the year. Uh, I, I don't know. But I think some of the adjustments we've made with the audio have helped. Uh, just in terms of overall quality, and we'll continue to make those improvements. Again, video is something I've been saying that I'm going to launch, and it's definitely on the radar. Again, it's just time permitting and uh, and getting the right equipment. Um, also want to look at making this more of a soundproof environment. As I said last time, we're doing this from the living room, and we want to improve that quality for you guys. Um, just so the whole thing is a bit more polished, you know, still, still as as grimy or, or whatever you would want to call it in terms of the delivery. We're not going to be censoring anything and we're not going to get polished in terms of that. We want our delivery to be the same, but how it comes across to you guys, we want it to be as clean and as tight as possible. So, you know, stay tuned, stay with us. But, uh, but for those of you that have, thanks for, uh, thanks for being true to the, uh, to the show. Uh, there's a lot to get into this week. I, I was, I was a bit like, is, you know, it's never a quiet week, but you run the, you run the risk of doing what most news organizations do and just talking about the same three things over and over and over again. But I guess that's also taking from the perspective of, you know, what, what information we actually consume and, and then relay back out. Um, but there's a lot of shit to talk about, right? There's a lot of stuff going on and a couple of, uh, couple of important things from a government perspective that are just, in, in a state of chaos, as we know, but, you know, developments on those fronts, uh, which we'll get into. But I just wanted to start the show by saying, like, so I'm 37, right? And I would consider myself in pretty good shape for a 37-year-old compared to the general population. Of course, I'm not, you know, in the one percentile of that, but I think, you know, I think I keep myself in relatively good shape. I eat relatively well. Um, And when you do that, and when you live a good, clean, healthy lifestyle, and you exercise regularly and stay fit and, you know, stay mobile and things like that, you feel younger, right? Like I know there's no way I feel 37, right? In my head, I'm like mid-20s. And I've got the energy of like someone who's about that age as well. So for me, it's, it's a bit... It doesn't, the the two don't pair, right? But nevertheless, I feel young. I've been boxing more. I'm getting that happening, uh, which is, again, helping all of those things, all of those things. But I'm in the gym this morning, five o'clock. 
and I'm doing a shoulder routine, shoulder workout, and I go into my lateral raises. If you don't know that, it's where the dumbbells are just down by your side and you lift your arms up out to the side, right? To about ear height. <clears throat> so I was standing wrong, shrugged a little bit too much and completely knotted my neck up. Completely knotted my neck up. And this was a clear, immediate and definitive reminder that I'm 37 as fuck, right? Because it's like that would never have happened three, four years ago, let alone 10 or 12 years ago. So I might feel 25 in my head but I'm definitely 37. And even though I'm in good shape for a 37 year old, <laughs> I'm still 37. It's just weird how your body reacts and it does it seemingly overnight. It's like, I have to be careful now how I pivot <laughs> and how I look in a different direction because I might blow my knee. I feel like my knee could blow out at any point in time. And I wonder how like other people feel because, you know, I look after myself, <laughs> you know, um, but it's just, like completely fucked up the whole day. And will this be like this for at least three days? Of course it will. Even if I do everything to try to sort it out, get it massaged, you know, put the deep heat on it, it'll be there for three days. It's a three day problem now because I'm 37. And this seems to happen overnight. And it's just like, oh, it's so annoying. It's so frustrating because it's like now I can't, I can only sit with my head and you know how it is when you fuck up your neck and when you when you pinch a nerve in your neck and you have to move the entire top part of your, your basically your entire torso just to look 20 degrees to the right or 20 degrees to the left I'm an invalid I've been reduced to an invalid because I was doing some shoulder workout and I was looking the wrong way when I was doing it that's a 37 as fuck problem And I just think like, oh, it's not fair, <laughs> right? You start to get like, ah, it's not fucking fair, but you just got to be careful. But yeah, I just wanted to tell you guys that I'm all fucked up. I'm all fucked up. So if my voice cracks or if I go out of tone or if the, if the sound is kind of going closer and then deeper or closer and then further away, it's because I'm incredibly uncomfortable right now. But I was definitely doing a show today. Uh... My neck's been like this all day anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, we're just going to fucking power through. But ow. Ah, there, did it. Fuck. So this may be a little bit more difficult than anticipated, but we're going to power through. We're going to power through. I'm just going to try not to move uh, my neck, head, or upper body too, too much. Um, so yeah, I'm 37 and I'm old. <laughs> And, and I break more easily than I anticipated. So I have to be just, I just have to be super careful. But um, like I said, I wanted to do a show. There's plenty to talk about, plenty to get on with. And some things that have just kind of fucking rubbed me the wrong way this week. Um, I kind of think they're hilarious, but nevertheless, it's just, it's just absurd. Some of the things are just absurd. Um you know, that we have to deal with such levels of, of, of incompetency across the spectrum. It really is across the spectrum. The, the first thing, right, is social media. Okay, now, 
when I was away on holiday, I did an experiment. I didn't, it wasn't really an experiment. I just didn't want to be on fucking social media. I wanted to put my cell phone down. So I said to myself, okay, cool. Put your phone down and only pick it up for 10 minutes at the end of the day when you can check your emails, you know, check in on work emails and then upload some photos from the holiday if you want to. So that was it. Stuck to it. About six days in, I actually went into Facebook and was just posting some photos uh, of the holiday of the beach. And I scrolled and I was looking through the news feed. And literally within a few minutes, I felt my mood decrease. And I just kind of felt like, ugh. Like, you know that feeling after you've eaten too many potato chips? Like you've eaten a whole bag of crisp or like too many cookies, like too many. And you just feel like, ugh. you just feel like a bag of mush. That's how I felt when I went back on and I started scrolling. And I've noticed it more and more now that we're back. And now, you know, over the past couple of weeks, you know, reverting to what would be considered more of a normal social media habit, right? Checking. Isn't it funny? They say habit. Um Checking, you know, checking Facebook a couple times a day, checking Instagram a few times a day. And what that's doing to me when I'm in that environment. And I'm more and more equating this thing to like a junk food habit. That's how I'm starting to think of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I know Twitter is a complete cesspool in terms of, you know, it's comments and it's replies and the people you would interact with if you're, you know, if you're an active uh, participant in Twitter as a platform. But I think for getting information out in real time, it's the best one out of all of them. Obviously, Instagram is owned by Facebook. So they're, you know, they're second cousins of a, of a monster Instagram. Uh, but what I've started to notice more and more is the level of systematic content delivery in Facebook that is so skewed towards what they think I want to read. I would say that 80% of the news articles on and throughout my feed are negative um, articles towards Trump or Theresa May. Now, I don't follow any pages affiliated to that, and my posts on Facebook are rarely about that. So I think it's really curious because I don't use Instagram for that either. But what I do notice categorically, and it's it's undeniable to me now, which is why I wanted to bring it up, is that when I'm on Facebook specifically, my mood goes down. I become less happy. I become full. I become like grossly full. You know when you feel like you're just like <clears throat> some people say it when 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 you talk to them about politics. Like, oh, I just can't. It makes me so tired. Right? They just feel like, oh, they like switch off. That's how I feel my mood is now when I'm on social media. Not Instagram so much because Instagram, all I do is basically post shit about fitness. 
um, me working out basically. And it's more of a diary to keep myself accountable. But Facebook is, I think, actively toxic. And what it's showing me is what, you know, I, I watched a video the other day where this, this lecturer said, you don't need social media in this day and age to be successful. And, you know, in the examples he gave to this young audience, it was quite true. But I think in our space, the podcasting space, the social media age, I think it's hypercritical that you have a presence on social media, but what kind of presence and how you use that presence is, is another thing completely. <clears throat> the platforms themselves are just, well, there's, I mean, Facebook is just, the, the, it's just the epitome of everything that is wrong with social discourse at the moment. Separating right from left, not mixing or gelling of ideas or perspectives, any of the nuance that can be derived from the, the opposite argument that you hold. Facebook removes the possibility of that happening and actually incites you to feel even more so like the worst version of yourself. Whether that's a narcissist, like a narcissistic type of uh, point of view where you're just consumed with posting things about yourself or if if it's your political views or whatever. I don't think Facebook rarely, like I'll get eight terrible stories, a cat video, and then one of my friends or someone that I'm friends with on Facebook's post. That's kind of how my Facebook works or my newsfeed. And it's just becoming obvious that they're not there to connect people. They're not there to make you feel better or to make the world a better place. They're there to make cash. They're there to make cash. And they're there to make cash from advertising. And the way you make cash from advertising is by having more people look at your stuff for longer. That's it. That's it. So Facebook have 2 billion people on their platform, or so they claim. And something like 75% of them are daily active users or some crazy fucking number like that. So there's their business model. And the editorial standpoint of keeping you engaged is if it bleeds, it leads. Negative equals engagement. Positivity means browsing. That's just the way it works. And that is a formula for depression, anxiety, concern, worry, whatever you want to call it. All those things mixed up in one. Trepidation. It is not meant to function with your best interests in mind. And it doesn't. And it clearly doesn't. So I don't even know why I jumped on this straight away. Um... But it was just something that I, I've, I've actively noticed now. And I think as a result, I would be irresponsible and not acting in my own best interest if I removed myself to the greatest degree without actually purging myself of it, right? Because I need it for certain functions, i.e. distributing this podcast for one, um, 
but also run some fitness communication through there as well. Um, and as I said, Instagram I use as a fitness diary, which keeps me motivated. Um, Twitter I go for news, but I think other than that last example, I am going to become an output only person. I'm not interested in like engagement with people on day-to-day -day things, if that makes sense, via social media. I'm not going to get into some lengthy debate on social media with anybody anymore. I don't think there's any time for it, and I don't think there's any point to it. It is the worst platform. For, they are the worst platforms for debate. They are the worst platforms uh, for making a point or arguing a point. Finding a resolution, they're just terrible across the board. So I think what I'm going to use it for is a distribution method and uh, distribution mechanism, I should say. And that's it. That's it. Um, every time I look on it, there's something, there's a, there's a greater percentage or seemingly greater percentage of negative things. Even the people that are on Facebook that I'm friends with <coughs> post garbage. Absolute garbage. There are a few people there. I like seeing, you know, what's going on with their family. Um, but for the most part, I would say, I think I only have like maybe 190 Facebook friends or something now because I just keep deleting them. Um, but I could probably do with 12, maybe. Literally 12 and the rest of them can beat it. So, output only now. I'm not interested in what's being inputted and what's being communicated by other people. Um, I'm just going to distribute my content and leave it there. So, um, I'm just like, yeah, I think I'm going to go down to the bare minimum usage. Because I think it'll improve my mood. <clears throat> and that's what we're about, right? We're about creating a positive momentum with ourselves. And I'm sure some people out there are probably arguing, oh, well, you know, it's the people or the content that you're, cu that you're curating that is making your social media experience that way. <clears throat> I don't think so. Not on Facebook. Not on Facebook. But even like Twitter, and I see all the retweets and the replies and things like that. And I'm just like, all I want to see is the person that I follow, their point of view. Just show me that there's a link to more of that conversation. And then if I want to, I'll go and investigate. I don't want my feed taken up with retweets of other people. And it's just, it's a, it's a broken mechanism. Instagram is just narcissism central. And I could probably be accused of that, you know, posting only videos and pictures of myself working out in the gym. <clears throat> but as I've already explained the function of Instagram, we don't need to go into that. However, it is a narcissist dream, um, but quite an effective marketing tool, I suppose. But I think what it all kind of equals is absurdity. There is an absurdity with the population to just be in this screen all the time. That cannot have a good effect. I heard somebody say the other day, social media is about 12 years old. Think about aviation when it was 12 years old. You would not put your kids and your pets and, you know, your grandparents on a plane. 
with the hopes and certainty that they are going to get to where they were supposed to be going. You couldn't go anywhere. 14 years into aviation. Like, think about what the first computer was like 14 years after the internet was invented. Compared to what's on your phone in your hand at the moment. So we're in the preschool era of social media, social media interaction. But ultimately, these are just going to be shopping channels. And if you engage with them, you are a shopper, you are a consumer, you are their commodity. And if you think the intrusion that they're, you know, allowing now is bad, just wait. Because most of you aren't going anywhere. Most of you won't, won't buck this trend. And I wonder what rabbit hole that leads our species down when the majority of people actually stay in these places, actually let their thoughts be curated by someone else based on an algorithm and be fed messages of advertising all day long. You've got, I think it's a fork in the road moment coming with a lot of this stuff, but I could be wrong. I could just be talking absolute shit. Um, but I do notice a difference in my mood when I'm when I'm on social media, specifically Facebook. Um, and I just, I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need it for that, for what their mission statement claims to be, which is to keep, you know, making connections happen or whatever it is. I don't need it for that. I'm quite happy where I'm at. I don't care what someone I went to high school with is doing this weekend. Don't care. Especially if they're still in the same place I left. Doing absolutely nothing. It's absurd to me. It's, it's absurd to me those people's behavior. It's absurd to me celebrities' behavior on social media. But I guess that's the product you have to become if you want to be a part of that environment. And I think that more than maybe anything is, is what it is. I'm not interested in doing that. I used to spend my time like having debates with people on Facebook to get nothing solved. And I just think, what an incredible waste of time that you could have been talking to your wife or like I'm doing now, playing the piano or like I'm doing now now you know, doing a podcast. But instead, I would sit there and debate these morons. Debate these morons to get nothing done. So now I think nothing of deleting a comment, blocking a person. Absolutely nothing. And as a result, I feel lighter. As a, as a result, I feel happier. And I'm just going to keep that going. So... Take it for what it is, because let's be honest. Let's be honest. We are talking about a platform. We are talking about a piece of technology where at the very pinnacle of where that technology is right now, you've got a 20, what is she, two-year-old being quote-unquote dethroned. You're not dethroned. Just because you've had the most of something doesn't mean you're the king of it or the champion of it. We've had somebody being dethroned 
buy a, well, buy an egg, <laughs> buy an egg. This was a headline across tech news <clears throat> and across news sites that, uh, what's her name? Is it Kylie? One of the Jenner, the one that looks like Kim Kardashian, Kylie Jenner. Um, she had like the most liked photo on Instagram when she like announced, when she announced she was pregnant. I think that's what it was. And just recently, a single picture of an egg on a white background beat it. Like she hasn't been dethroned. She wasn't, she, she wasn't on the throne. This is absurd that we're talking about this. It's absurd that I'm talking about this, but I think I, I just want to talk about it because of its absurdity. Kim Kardashian breaks the internet. This is going to break the internet. This is going to break the internet. This person got dethroned. Remember Ellen, back in the day, she had that selfie, right? At the Grammys or at the Emmys or whatever it was. She's like, oh, I broke the internet. It's like, yeah, until this Instagram chick fucking took a picture of her ass and it's done. And then I'm pregnant. And then that's the biggest one. And then an egg. So the whole thing is a joke. The whole thing is absurd. I think most people know it for what it is. I think people have different usages usages of it. And I would never, you know, tell anybody to get off of it or anything like that. But I think the vast majority of people have an unhealthy relationship with social media. And I think it could all do us some good to take a step back <clears throat> and at least review and assess how we use it. And if there are any improvements to be made, because after all, that's what we're talking about, right? It's constant improvement. And it's the pursuit of being better. At least it is for me. At least it is for me. And I notice definitely that my mood is worse <clears throat> when I'm on social media, when I'm on Facebook specifically. Um, but definitely Twitter as well. Instagram, I'm pretty much, nah, it's a lie. I'm not an output only guy on an Instagram. I definitely scroll on Instagram. But that's a fucking waste of time. And you can go down a rabbit hole there where you can just lose an hour of your time easily. <clears throat> so definitely pulling the reins on this. Uh, started already, actually. So, um, so yeah, I just think it's, I just think it's absurd. And, and, you know, you've got people over here telling you about, you know, what their kids had for lunch and how sick they are. And then you've got somebody else like making an argument about, you know, why they should be doing something when experts, you know, clearly can't do the job, but they, they as an unqualified person can definitely step into something that takes such expertise, detail and, and, and experience and do a better job. You know, it's just absurd, like the arrogance and, and I think, yeah, I think just taking a step back is going to be good. So there you go. Anyways, um, some disturbing news that's definitely, definitely worrying, uh, which I heard about today, I read today, was that the London Underground subway is, well, it's a death trap, in my opinion. And I don't, I don't say that lightly. I don't say that lightly. They, the report that came out by the Clean Air Organization or some shit, I don't know what it was called exactly, um, said that the 
if you can hear that, that's my dog snoring in the background. Um, the report said that the air quality inside the London Underground Tube, the subway that takes millions of people to work, to and from work every single day, the air quality in there is 30 times worse than it is if you're standing on a busy street. Now, to put, the, to put even more context and worry about that, they said that one hour in the London underground is as bad for you as basically standing in the middle of the road all day, breathing the air in. That is horrible. Not only that, but the increased amount of metal products in the air in the London Underground is significantly higher than it is outdoors for a number of reasons, you know, wind and so on and so forth. Um, this is really, really bad. This is actually a health concern, like a major health concern. And I think, you know, you never had any real doubt if you're from London or, you know, if you visited London, you have no real doubt about how how dirty the underground is. Because if you ride it, you can wipe your nose out with a Kleenex and it's covered in black. You'll get black boogers and, you know, it's just soot and disgusting because the thing's 150 years old. But also, they're constantly working on it. Constantly kicking up dust. Constantly, you know, it's filthy down there. You don't want to touch it. You need to wash your hands as soon as you exit. It is horrendous. It's dirty as fuck. But it's efficient and it's really, really useful. And there's no way you cannot use it if you live in London. But these numbers are disgusting. These numbers are horrendous. 30 times worse. But that doesn't say anything because what they say is the part about the hour, like one hour there, is as bad as standing in a, like, walking down a busy road all day long. Everybody, I would say, I would say 90, I would have to say 90% of people, 85% maybe, have an hour both ways on the tube. So many people are on that underground for way more than an hour a day. I'm on it for 80 minutes when I have to go into the city. At least. 40 minutes each way. At least. So that's terrible. And now I think, you know what? Those Japanese people or the Chinese people that I saw or that you see going through the underground with the face masks on, the doctor masks on, you laugh at them or you look at them a bit funny. They're spot on. They're spot on the money. We need to be wearing masks. That's how bad the air is in the underground. That is a state of emergency. Fuck Trump's state of emergency at the southern border. This is a state of emergency. You're poisoning Londoners. This is what's happening. Londoners are being poisoned by using public transport. Categorically. If those levels of pollution are correct, this is nothing short of poisoning. That's slow poisoning. 
And they're like, oh, well, if you smoke cigarettes or whatever. So what? That's a choice. I could choose to poison myself all day long. You can choose to drink yourself to death. You can choose to eat yourself to death. You can choose to stay with a terrible partner. You can choose to be a degenerate at work. You can, you can choose to be lazy or active. You can choose a whole plethora of things. But in London, one of the things that you cannot avoid is, is using the underground. And we're not choosing to use the underground. It's a necessity. And therefore, we shouldn't have to be poisoned doing it. That's it's fucking horrendous. It's it's absolutely horrendous. Um, so I think I don't know what's going to happen. I haven't heard anything about it other than this report that's come out that people are obviously finding out about and, and obviously becoming more and more troubled about. So uh, I, I would imagine something's probably going to happen uh, in regards to that. But yeah, pretty fucking gross, man. Pretty gross. Like. At the very least, get some fucking air purifiers down there. Something. I know it's a big old network, but you can't be, you can't allow the air quality to be to be that bad. You just can't. And again, no illusions over the fact that it was that it's horribly dirty. But you just don't think that it's going to be getting poisoned dirty. The concerns are the levels for me. Like I understand pollution. I live in London. Right? Like you can see the smog. It lives above the city. But you don't expect it to be at catastrophic levels. They said it's something like, it's like 13 parts per cubic foot. 13 parts per million per cubic square foot or something like that. I'm probably completely murdering that measurement. But the number's 13, whatever, right? On the street, on a busy street. It's 13. On the underground, it's 270. In one of the stations, it was 490. This is fucking crazy. Like, you can say it's 30 times more, right? But people are like, oh, yeah, is it 30 times more? No, they measured it. It's horrible. So what are we going to do about it? I don't know. Something's going to happen. Something has to happen, I would imagine. Um... Speaking of disgusting, did you see what did you see what Donald Trump fed the Clemson Tigers? And did you see how Burger King's roasting him? Like he got them Big Macs and like pizza from Domino's and Burger King burgers and shit. And like the center um you know like the stainless steel like bowls that you polish off that you like would put some champagne or something in. He had like the McDonald's sauces stacked up in there. And he fed them, he fed this to this championship football team saying like, I'm sure they got a kick out of it, right? I'm sure, you know, who doesn't like to munch down some fast food or whatever. But I just think that is the epitome of what Trump's America is. This fat, disgusting slob serving a bunch of, you know, serving shit to the masses, basically. Serving shit to the masses. He's like the buffet, the spread on the table just looked so horrible. 
you put that in contrast with like the the uh, the campaign that like Michelle Obama was championing and when she was in. And you just see this fat sack of shit serving all of this garbage to these like amazing athletes. Some of them obviously big boys, right? And I'm sure they eat like that anyways. But I'm just saying like what a, like just. Oh, you're this pristine like. You know, athletic machine here. Come and eat all of this shit that's going to give you cancer. Come, come and eat all of this shit that's going to... He had the french fries under like a warming plate in the holders. It was it was hilarious. But I think it definitely like... It definitely personifies Trump's America. Being that, that analogy that I gave. This fat sack of shit that's feeding garbage to the nation. Like, I don't think it could get any more poetic than that. When I saw that, I was just like, oh my god. Like, he would love this. This is all he wants. This is an analogy for what he wants. If we just let him peddle shit to the masses, we would have a fat sack of shit running the world. You know? He's so incompetent that he could have actually done this if he was smart. But he's so overt and obtuse that... He's just like, yeah, y'all like hamburgers? And then he called them hamburgers. Hamburgers. <laughs> y'all want some hamburgers? Like, who it? Y'all. <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't even do it because if I laugh, I'm going to hurt my neck. And so I'm not going to be able to do it. But he called them hamburgers. Like, what is he, three? I want some hamburgers. Like Burger King, Burger, <laughs> Burger King, Burger King are roasting him, right? They're like, no, nah, we're all out of hamburgers, but we've, we've got hamburgers though, you know, like so ridiculous. This guy, like I used to think he did that. He did stuff like that on purpose to get headlines. I do not think that anymore. Haven't thought that for a very long time. I think he's just that dumb. I think he's that dumb. But we've got, we've got this shutdown in America that's been going on for what, a month? Was it like 27 days or something like that? This is insane. Federal workers not getting paid 800000 We've talked about it a little bit before on the show. But I think it were, it, it's, it's worth repeating and it's worth talking about. Because although it may not have a direct impact on... What happens here in the UK, it's certainly important as a global event and indicates the lack of stability that's in the American political system at the moment, you know, it's being shook up from all sides. And the fact that there's no compromise here from from the guy in charge, when so many opportunities have come across his path that he's been able to say, you know what, let's at least get the working man paid. But him coming out and saying things like, they all support me anyways. They all think I'm doing the right thing. We have to have a border barrier now. It's not even a wall. He's walked it back. He's starting to fold. This is the last remaining semblance of holding on to his base that he has before the Mueller investigation comes to a close. I think the new district, uh, the new attorney general, uh, what's his name, Bill Barr or something like that, uh, he seemed pretty level in his 
in his questioning, in his answers yesterday when he was before the Senate or before whoever he was before. <coughs> but then he said that marijuana should stay illegal at the federal level. And I have to watch that part, that part because I didn't see it. Um, I just saw it cross my headlines on the news this morning when I was when I was logging into the computer. But he seemed pretty level-headed. But I think this is all kind of, this is what brings the house of cards down, right? Surely. And I know maybe we've said it in past episodes, it's like, does the house come down? Yes, the house is going to come down now. This is going to be the end of him. You know, I know we've said that, but I really feel like there's way more to it now. There's way more to it now with the investigation going as deep as it is. This guy who's being this Bill Barr, I think his name is, that's being uh, probably going to be confirmed as attorney general. <coughs> he said that he's going to allow the investigation to continue. He's got a lot of respect for Robert Mueller. Uh, explained his position on the op-ed that he wrote. Uh, questioning the the Mueller investigation, but he did say that you know that it needs to wrap up and needs to be finished. So that seems fine, but it seems like once that comes out, there's going to be a whole set of other issues that's going to happen. <coughs> Does that take us to 2020? I don't know if we get there. I don't know if we get there. We'll see. Maybe they'll let him ride out his term so they can bring criminal charges to him. He may have fucked people off in Washington that bad. Like, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist and say people put a number on your back or anything like that. But he's fucking with some pretty powerful and influential people. He's fired some pretty powerful and intellectual uh, and, and influential people. There haven't been many intellectuals in there. So it's going to be interesting to see what what comes of the next few months. Um but I think, you know, obviously we lost, we lost, uh, the government lost the Brexit vote yesterday. Coming swiftly back to this side of the uh, Atlantic Ocean. The Brexit vote was overwhelmingly in favor of not going with Theresa May's plan. So now we're in a position where Jeremy Corbyn is called for a general election. The people of this country are clearly calling for a second referendum. And the government have a no-deal Brexit because they don't have a plan B. There's no plan B from Theresa May's party. Her party don't support her plan, obviously, as it's been crushed by Parliament. But where do we go from here? Who's working on this now? They're predicting, I've said this before, they're predicting a 10% reduction in GDP if we have a no-deal Brexit. One of the EU uh, members has come out today and said, listen, you just cancel this, you know. You know, you can just cancel this. Well, if that's true, let's do that. Because this is absurd. Again, with the absurdity. They cannot be trusted to handle this process. 
They are incompetent to handle this process. And Boris Johnson gets up and starts swinging his dick yesterday. Saying this is what we should be doing with the EU. This is what we should. We don't have any negotiating power. Like. This just needs to be fucking done. This just needs to be over now. We've wasted everybody's time. Everybody's money. Imagine if this money would have went to the NHS. The money we've spent on Brexit would have went to the NHS. Just saying. I think the current political climate is a result of the status quo. Like this elite structure that's like been in place for so long has just caused dysfunction. That's created a backlash and a shift, I think, that we're starting to see from the public that we're starting to see from different politicians that are coming in. But current politicians are crying, right, about either, the, like I said, the incoming class or the revolt on Brexit. They're only crying about their own dysfunction. They're, they're crying about their own dysfunction, their own corruption, and the absolute inability to get things done. They're the only things we actually pay them to do, right? We pay them to be functional, to not be corrupt, and to get things done. And across the globe, I'm specifically talking about the UK and the US, but it's much wider spread than that. They are doing the opposite of what is being asked of them, of what they're there to do. So how can we just be okay with this? If you work for me and I ask you to be functional, to be honest, and to just get the stuff that I'm asking you to get done, done, if that's all I'm asking you to do and you don't do any of them, how do we keep working together? How do we keep working together? This government has to go, for sure. Theresa May's done, obviously. Who takes over that party? I don't know. But I think we need to have Maybe both. Maybe both. Maybe we need a general election and a second referendum. Second referendum first. General election right after. Because we already know what Jeremy Corbyn's position is on Brexit. He wants to go back and negotiate. I think we need to call this. This is, we need to call this. If this is something that we're truly interested in, then we can approach it in a much better way. <coughs> but I think this has been such a botched attempt that all we're doing now is constantly putting band-aids over a gunshot wound. And I just think the dysfunction and the inability to get things done by this government is unacceptable and it's untenable. 
So I'm not opposed to a second. I mean, people are like, oh, you vote. There's too many votes. Or there's too many referendums. Or there's too many. Would you rather not have a say? Would you rather not have a say? Would you rather not be able to at least voice your opinion? Of course you have to vote. Of course that might be more regularly than you're generally used to. We're living in very, very fluctuating times. Let's call it that. So don't bitch and moan because you get a say in the democratic process. Be grateful for it, you stupid fuck, because if you don't, that's called North Korea. That's called China. That's called Russia. Do you want me to go on? If you have to vote for something, go and vote for it, especially if it means something like deciding your future. Get involved in the democratic process. I'm not saying that you have to march on Washington or be sawed, you know, be seen down, you know, Oxford Street or anything like this. You don't have to hold a rally in Trafalgar Square. I'm just saying, take part in the process. It's all about the process, right? We always go back to this. Are you accountable? Do you want to be accountable in this thing that we call society? If you do, then you need to have your opinions heard. Do I put everybody's opinions on the same, like, level? No, definitely not. Definitely not. But that doesn't mean they don't get to have an opinion. It just doesn't get to be treated like fact. And that goes double for the politicians, which is how this nonsense came about in the first place. Yes, David Cameron should never have called this for this in the first place. But subsequently... All of the information that came out that persuaded the people to vote leave was garbage. So if we're going to do this, they need to have a much more thought out process about how they deliver the information of what is on the table and what is not to the citizens of this country. It's as simple as that. And if they do that, they'll start to get their credibility back. But there's a credibility issue with politicians, you see. There always has been. But it's heightened now because people have a better bullshit meter. People are more, more aware now. When you're lying to them and when you're telling them a crock of shit. Some people aren't. But I think more people are now. I think you're just more exposed now. So let's see how it turns out. But we're in a real predicament right now. So hold on to your cocks. And save your pennies, be a little bit more conservative, and let's just see how the next few months roll on. But my wife started a business in a recession, so if that's gonna be the if that's gonna be what's happening, let's go. Just be prepared, right? Stay ready so you don't have to be ready. So you don't have to get ready, I should say. <laughs> wow, worst motivational speaker ever what else oh yeah have you seen this Gillette commercial I'm, I'm playing with my I'm, 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 I'm weighing up my weighing up my feelings on this one 
because I've seen I've seen quite a bit of feedback on it now. And you know, I hazard I hazard the opinion that no, I don't fuck fuck that. What am I talking about? This is what I think about this commercial, okay? I think it's virtue signaling. I think it's an attack on masculinity, men in general, obviously. Um, I think this is a cheap attempt at grabbing a hold of a movement that is amplified by a loud minority of people who are outraged, but also highlighted by a minority of this gender. Does that make sense? So what I mean by that is the people that are blowing this up, there's only, there's, there's not a lot of them. There's not a lot of them. Most women I talk to don't think most men are rapists. Don't think most men are overly aggressive. Don't think most men have this thing called toxic masculinity. <clears throat> which is a trumped up term anyway. So for me, doing a commercial like this is a bit of a virtue signal, right? It's a bit of a, we're going we're gonna to play on this as much as we can to get favor on our side, to sell more products, obviously. But it's also being perpetuated by a very, very small minority. Because like I just said about the women's opinion of men, that's actually true. I don't think most men are fucking, okay, men are gross. Let's be very honest about that. Men are disgusting creatures, for sure. We've got things going on in our bodies that we have no control over and no understanding of why it's happening. And that is not an excuse for any of our smells, our disgusting habits, or our abhorrent behavior at times. But most of us don't set out to, intend to, or even action anything that would be considered in the realms of like where these like in the commercial they're they're saying oh us uh, you know allegations of sexual harassment and sexual um assault and things like that it's like that's not men that's some men and i think to be doing like a national commercial like there's an issue with men <coughs> like you've got them all lined up there like they're all like apologizing like like unfettered apologies of just like we can be is this the best we can be like they're obviously Gillette's tagline is the best a man can get. And this campaign is called the best a man can be. And I'm just like, they're like, some of you are good, but why can't all of you be good? What? What the fuck are you talking about? And then I see people in my space, not my space, but in my space, of business and they're commenting about this advert this is the best this is advertising at its best this is just this is just wonderful that Gillette are so so in tune with what the current climate is 
and the dangers that really do face women. It's like, come on, man. We're blowing this thing. Not that it doesn't need addressing. Not that it doesn't need changing. Not that men don't need to change the behavior towards women, especially when those men are in a position of power dealing with, like, employees and things like that. Of course, there are behavioral changes that are happening all the time between us and amongst us. But this is not an epidemic. Do you know what is an epidemic, by the way? Just to just to fucking just to keep this whole like Gillette razors commercial thing going. Let me just break something down real quick. Gillette's owned by Procter and Gamble, and Procter and Gamble, along with Unilever and Nestle, were in a report about three years ago as the world's leading plastic polluters. That there is an epidemic. The levels of plastic in our oceans. The wildlife, the sea life that's being destroyed and poisoned and murdered by the amount of plastic in our oceans, that is an epidemic. That is a global epidemic, actually, that I would consider actually of a greater severity than toxic masculinity. So maybe there's some, you know, reflection to be had here by these giant fucking corporations that try to play everybody's play on everybody's slightest shift as more of moral compass <coughs> this virtue signaling by by Gillette is garbage it's garbage because the men I know don't act like this and I bet most of the men within earshot of me don't act like this Are there assholes, are there pricks, are there horrible bastards within the male gender? Categorically, 100%. I am not standing up for any of the abhorrent behavior that's been alleged and accused of these men in these sexual harassment and assault claims. That is disgusting. What I am saying is don't do a commercial where you line up every single variety of man that you can generally find. And make it seem like this is a male problem. This is not. Everybody has to be done on their own merit. Don't lump me in with the fucking Harvey Weinsteins and the Bill Cosbys and the fucking Donald Trumps of the world. No, thank you. I don't need Gillette jumping on that train. Especially when they don't have a very clean history themselves. So don't be my moral compass. Sell me razors. But you don't have to worry about that anymore because I'm not doing business with your company. Unnecessary company. Doesn't matter. And anybody affiliated with that company. So these claims of this being some sort of moral victory or gold standard in advertising or some sort of woke message is just, in my opinion, kidding themselves. That's my take on it. It's a botch job of virtue signaling by a corporation that didn't need to get involved in this argument of 
a tiny minority on both sides. It's just weak. Like my, uh, like my neck is at the moment. I hope I haven't been noticeably like wincing on the podcast today. So I started watching the um, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. <clears throat> and like the genius that I am, watched season two before I watched season one. So now I'm watching season one as like a prequel. <laughs> but it's really good. In my opinion, it's really good. A lot of people find it hokey. A lot of people find it boring. I don't know how you can. I think it's styled really well. I think the actors do a great job. I think it's funny. I think it's written well. Um, and the lead is great. I don't know her name, but the lead is great. So, uh, that's on Amazon prime. So check that out. Um, there's this show on Netflix as well called tidying up. I put like three episodes one or three, um, three minutes of one episode on. And I was like, see you later. I'm just not doing it. She like thanks the house and shit before she throws a bunch of stuff away and then acts like it's an epiphany from God that this woman has landed on your doorstep to clean your fucking house. And that's made you like fuck more and <laughs> like laugh more. It's like, oh, all of a sudden we go on more vacations. Do you like, I don't know. I don't know how it goes. I don't know how the series is. I know a lot of people are enjoying it. But I watched three minutes of one episode and I was like, get me out of here. She's funny though. I and mean, she's really passionate about cleaning and tidying up as this show is called. But that's not, that's not my bag. I'm, I'm good. I'm good with that. So anyways, I think that's it. I think that's it. I'm talking about fucking tidying up on Netflix now. So I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Um, yeah. That's it. That's it. We're going to wrap, guys. Fuck it. That's how we do. We might shut it down at one hour, two minutes. That's 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 us. That's us. So, all right, we're gone. This is episode 66. Listen, I didn't say this in the beginning, but <coughs> get us on Facebook, right? Get us on Twitter. I know I talked about switching off, but if you're going to sign up to something, you might as well get good content from it. And that's what we're trying to put out here. So if you want, you can hit us up on that. Otherwise, the show can be downloaded and subscribed to at... Uh, sound, um, on SoundCloud and obviously on iTunes as well. Just search The Quiet Part Loud and it'll, it'll pop up. It's the logo there with the coffee cup on it. So check that out and uh, and come on back. But I think for now, we're done. So that's X episode 66 in the bag. And we're going to come back real soon, hit you with episode 67. I want to get a preview done as well because there's a nice little UFC fight coming up this weekend. Um, and if I get time to do it, then I'm going to knock another quick one out. Uh, <laughs> I'll do another show uh, before the weekend if I can uh, and preview that card. But uh, until now, uh, until then, fucking hell, that's it. Wrap it up. Cut. Um, until next time, guys. This is episode 66. I'm your host, Daryl. This is the Quiet Part Loud podcast. And until next time, all the best. All the best.